low win rates, excessive discounting, challenging negotiations. Welcome to the Sales Readiness Podcast, a podcast brought to you by the Sales Readiness Group. We're an industry-leading sales training company that helps businesses develop highly effective sales organizations. This podcast is about one question, how to transform your team into big performers. If you want the answer, keep listening. If you want it faster, visit salesreadinessgroup.com slash podcast. I'm really thrilling to be here to collaborate with Alego and, and talk to Jonna on this topic uh, because it's one that's become so near and dear to our hearts over the last uh, 12 to 16 months, really, as we've really experienced a change in the way we've delivered the majority of our sales training. I mean, we're a sales and sales management training company. We were doing over 80% uh, of our business in the live classroom or some mix of blended and, and live. And, uh, you know, as most of you have experienced starting in March of last year, uh, that was no longer an option for us. And we pivoted fully to virtual and then on-demand and collaborative. And in fact, we've seen uh, outcomes improve, participant interaction improve, and satisfaction scores in many cases improve uh, as a result of creating a more collaborative way of engaging over a period of time. And so I think it's an exciting development uh, in the industry and something that I don't think any of us could have pivoted maybe quite as quickly as uh, we were forced to, but uh, it's an interesting uh, opportunity to be here and um, really looking forward, John, to collaborating with you and hearing a little bit more about some of Alego's experiences and uh, some of the samples and, and lessons you're bringing as well. So welcome, John. And uh, again, thanks for being here with us. Yeah, thank you, Ray. Very excited to be here. And, and thanks to everybody for joining. Um, couldn't be more excited to dive into this topic. I think it's a good one. Um, you know, we've, we've just learned so much over the past year plus in so many different categories, right, of work and life. Um, but this, you know, onboarding ramp up time, this is really important. And uh, we get a lot of questions on it all the time. So excited to jump in. Yeah, let's do it. And, you know, this, this is an interesting topic because we weren't having this conversation, you know, this time last year. And uh, so the idea of now as people are adding to, they're replacing, they're looking at expanding through the rest of the year, um, this topic is is really important. And to get it right, as we'll talk about, has a huge ROI. So, you know, how do we do that cost effectively and how do we do it with that challenge of uh, virtual and uh, not having necessarily all of the options that maybe we had a, a year or two ago? So in terms of where we're headed, you know, we're going to talk about the, the challenges, some of the challenges that this unique environment brings uh, and, and how we can respond to that. And then uh, talk about this idea of a collaborative environment and why that's so important and how that actually helps us leverage that peer-to-peer -peer and learning in the flow of work idea. So how do we get them up to speed, practicing and applying the skills just as soon as possible? And then we'll talk about how do we keep that alive through continuous learning and coaching and why that's so critical to you know, keep the learning happening and, and not just have onboarding be an event uh, where they're done and then we you know, throw them out into the field and, and hope that they sink, sink or swim, right? Hope that they swim, um, but that we're really looking at how do we support them going forward. So we have a big journey here, but John, any, any opening comments, I guess, on, on, on the agenda? No, I mean, I, I think this is, again, this is, this is such an important topic to dive through. And I think we're going to talk about it in some new, in new ways, Ray, right? That maybe folks don't associate with traditional onboarding and training. Um, 
But I think we all need to be open-minded right now. That's that's one of my primary takeaways is that we need to be open-minded. We need to be flexible in terms of thinking about how do we bring teams together when we're distributed or in hybrid situations, and how do we get our new hires up and running even faster than than we have in the past? I think I think it's possible. Um, we just have to reframe how we think about onboarding and training in general uh, in our minds. And I, I think um, you know we can help people un- unlock this challenge. So uh, yeah, let's let's go for it. Well, and that's so important, John, that this is more than just delivering content. And I think often, you know, that's what we think about is, well, how do we deliver the content in a creative or or engaging way? How do we get them up to speed with the skills and the knowledge? But onboarding is so much more than that. And I even think back to early in my career, I transitioned out of the Navy. I started with Accenture. And, you know, even as an experienced hire, I got shipped back to St. Charles for three weeks for an immersive onboarding experience. And that was as much about the culture, the engagement, collaborating with your colleagues, you know, learning about the organization as it was, you know, understanding the skills that they wanted us to learn as as a consultant. And I think as we'll talk about, you know, how do we do that then in a virtual or a hybrid environment and at least create some of that engagement? Yeah. So let's jump in, you know, specifically when we're talking about uh, onboarding salespeople, I think it's so important to get this right because it really is a a return on investment discussion. It's the idea, and if we think about the rep as a revenue stream or as contributing to our revenue engine, and so, and this is much more than, okay, we're just going to plug them in and and let them go, but we really want to think about what is that sales rep going to contribute to the business? So what's the quota? What's the target we're looking for? And how quickly can we get them there? right? How soon can we ramp up? And when we look at ramp up time, if we're able to shorten that ramp up time, even by a few weeks, it pays huge dividends on getting that person, right, to both develop a pipeline and also start closing business sooner. And the sooner they do that, obviously, the sooner they're recovering uh, the investment that we've made in there. So I think we really need to consider that and, and, you know, think about, well, what are we doing that's going to get them to that level? And how long is that going to take us? Yeah. John, we use a simple formula, and I'd love to get your thoughts on it, as we're calculating that ramp-up period, because that can vary for different organizations, and certainly there are different requirements that are involved. But thinking about, well, what's the average sales cycle? So you know, maybe it takes three months to close a deal, or maybe it takes 12 months to close a deal. But we need to look at that average sales cycle that it takes when somebody is ramped up, and then add at least 90 days on top of that. For them to get onboarded, get trained, start trying it out, start building their pipeline. And so, you know, we can use that as just a very rough formula to think about that ramp up period. But I'm curious what you've experienced with some of your clients in terms of, you know, how quickly they can get them up to speed. And if we can shorten that, you know, through collaborative learning or, or using some of the technology we're going to talk about today. Yeah, absolutely. And I think this is this is a good simple model, right? Uh, I think it can apply to a lot of folks, um, but it's, it's not universal and and every company is different. Every company I've worked for has different expectations about how quickly it takes to get ramped and certainly um, sales cycles can be all over the place, as you said. Um, so I think I think you need to focus on, on the components that you can control um, in onboarding. And what we find is that onboarding is really most effective when it's not siloed, right? It's not you know, you're obviously getting flown in for a three-day training session right now to the company HQ is not happening a lot. But it's even even doing a live uh, a live video session in a similar way, it's typically not enough, right? Uh, how many times have we seen the statistic that 80 to 90% of learning 
is lost within a couple of weeks after the initial training session, right? It just goes out of your brain. You're not, humans don't really like learning in that really compressed, intense way. Um, it needs to be reinforced. Um, I'm not saying that live training isn't good. It's incredibly important. But how are you surrounding that, that training, right? Are you surrounding it with ongoing reinforcement over time? Are you surrounding it with peer-to-peer learning so that you're learning not just from a manager, from a trainer, from a coach, but from the people who are in the field with you? Um, at Allego, we, we know that sellers like to learn from other sellers. That's really important. They trust the people on their team who are, you know, in the field with them, going through the same challenges, the same ups and downs, um, being able to share that knowledge and learn from one another rather than just from a, in a top-down format, that's really, really helpful. And we've seen our clients really succeed with that sort of model where you're, you're supplementing formal training with this uh, more dispersed, in-the-flow-of-work, peer-to-peer collaborative learning um, makes everybody more effective. And, it, and, it, and, it, and it, it, it has actually shown to decrease uh, ramp up time as well. So that's how we like to think about it. Yeah, absolutely. No, I think thinking of it as an integrated process and it's a stream, right? That you're trying to get them up to speed as much as possible to do the things that they need to, to start to build their pipeline or to move forward versus saying, we're going to do this for six months and then let them loose or turn them over. And, you know, Scott asked a question in the chat about milestones along the way. And I think that's such a great idea uh, as a way of measuring, it's not just to say, well, when are they at quota? Because that can take months and months, and we certainly don't want to wait to know if there's a problem. But what are those milestones along the way, those guideposts to say, well, how long till their first meeting? How long till their first meeting solo? How long till their first demo or their first proposal? Yep. Um, you know, when do they put their first deal into the pipeline? How long does that take? So we can start to compare that with other uh, new hires to see what those average milestones should be. Is somebody on track then to close their first deal to get to a run rate that's gonna support their quota going forward? So now we're able to work back and say, okay, well now we should be able to see what should happen after 30 days, after 60 days, after 90 days, and uh, not wait till the end and find out that we haven't been successful. Oh, 100%. I think, I think in order to do onboarding well and understand how your team is performing, you need to have a very intimate understanding of your funnel, right, Pre, pre-sale. Um, what are all of the important milestones within it? And it's going to be different for every company, but you know, when is a meeting scheduled? Uh, how long after that is a deal expected to close? Uh, when, does, when does a lead become a sales qualified lead or a sales accepted lead? When it gets, does it get to certain uh, other stages? And every company is different ones, so I won't generalize too much. But um, you need to understand. You need to understand how your funnel flows, the math behind it, and what every rep needs to be producing throughout that funnel pre-sale in order to understand, are they on track or are they off track? Because in the vast majority of cases I've seen, I've seen especially in a complex B2B sale, like you said, Ray, you cannot, you cannot wait until a deal is closed to say, oh, this rep is doing well or doing poorly. It's, it'll be way too late by then. No, and I think that was the other part of Scott's point, which is sometimes clients don't know what the sales cycle time is or what those milestones are. That's a great place to start is, is defining some of those, or at least understanding what success looks like. Um, But yeah, sometimes that's a challenge. We don't have the data that we would want. And Randy also mentions, you know, it's dependent on the client's budget and absolutely it depends on the sales cycle, how long and what's the seasonality, how how long is that going to take? And so I, I think those are all really important factors. Yeah, definitely. All right. And somebody asked about the uh, 
recording and absolutely we'll send a follow-up with the recording as we go along. So let's keep it going here, you know, for, from a training aspect. Um, and I think these are, these are pretty profound, simple questions, but, but profound ones, which is what do we want the sales rep to know? Right. So what knowledge do we need to transfer during that time period? Where's the information located that, that they can go find? So, you know, we probably can't expect them to remember everything, but at least do they know where the references, the guides, the playbooks, et cetera, uh, where is that going to be? Um, how does the rep perform their job? So what processes do they need to complete? You know, how do they go about that? And who should the rep contact to get things done? So where do they go for what? And so, again, we probably can't answer all of their questions, but at least helping them understand where that information is or what resources they have. If we can start on that level, and we'll talk about how the training can support that, and also get them to start applying those skills. So, um, you know, go do some activities, some missions, if you will, uh, that are going to require them to go use that information or apply it. Yeah. Yeah. These are great points. And it's funny. I'm actually kind of drawn to bullet number two. <laughs> maybe that, maybe that's a weird place to go, but where is the information located is a benign, but very, very important question, right? Um, for new hires and for everybody, because if you don't have a system that, yeah, that easily surfaces the content that you need at any given point in time, your reps are going to spend so much time looking for things, right? Or, you know, reaching out over Slack or email, oh, where was this thing? Oh, I saw this, but I don't remember where it is. Can you point me to this? A lot of wasted time. There's a lot of friction there. So if you, you, if you have a system and a process uh, where all of your learning content is in one place, it's tagged, it's discoverable, easily searchable, um, again, enabling your reps to take some ownership and agency over their learning process. Um, that's really, really important. But obviously all these points are, are critical to the training and onboarding process. No, and it's great you know, to, to understand where to go. And then also if we can foster this idea of peer-to-peer learning and collaboration, hey, if they can post a question somewhere or if they have a, a mentor or somebody that's a safe place to go because they don't want to ask their manager again, but you know, they can learn from each other. Or maybe the question's been answered five times before. So uh, let's let's point them to that information. So again, I think they can learn as much from each other as they're going to learn from a formal class or the guide. Yeah, and I, I think it's such a key point. It is central to the philosophy that we have at Alego. But um, when you think about it from a manager's perspective, we're trying to disperse some of the responsibility of, of managers and trainers, right? Um, if you're a coach or a trainer, there is so much on you individually to structure all of your courses, to grade all of the quizzes, make sure everybody's moving at the same or at the appropriate pace. Like, yes, that has to be done. But if you can start to distribute some of the workload in terms of this peer-to-peer knowledge and, and knowledge sharing and collaboration that you're talking about, Ray, and put some of that weight on the team, across the team, so that they're learning from each other again, um, that makes everybody's lives easier and better. Um, and I think you could argue that it makes training and learning and onboarding a more natural process as well, rather than something that is forced. Absolutely. Well, I want to get some feedback from the audience here. So, you know, the other part of that is when we think about actual training that needs to happen, right? We talked about the skills and knowledge. What does that mean? And it's typically some selling skills. Do they know how to sell? Uh, sell? Do they have the proficiency they need? But they need to know the product and the industry as well. And oftentimes that's where the focus is, right? Is, hey, if you can understand the, the features and specs or the technical uh, components, um, then go out and pitch it. But 
we need to really think about all of those things, which is, do they have the selling skills to be able to provide and understand the solution to be able to present to the customer? And do they know where all the tools are and the, the sales enablement technology and how to use everything that's there? So there's there's quite a lot you know, that's required in there. <clears throat> but what we want to do is get a little bit of input uh, from the audience here. We're going to open up a poll and uh, just wanted to get an idea of how many sales professionals you expect to hire uh, in 2021. And so I know we have a very diverse audience today, but we thought it would just be interesting because what we're hearing is either we're replacing people, you know, maybe we had some attrition or we downsized a little bit. Um, we're ramping up. I know we have clients that are planning on growing uh, quite significantly this year. So, you know, I'd love to know how big is the challenge for us. And just while we're waiting for that, John, I'm curious if, if you have any thoughts based on what your clients are seeing. But, you know, in some cases, it's really difficult. We've got to scale a lot of people in a hurry and make sure we get it right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And we're seeing across the board, um, you know, varying plans for onboarding, but I do think, or hiring rather, but it, it is heating up. Uh, like we said at the beginning, this isn't a conversation we, we were having last year at this time, um, but hiring is starting again. People are starting to think about who do I need in my team? Um, how do all the parts fit together and how do I get them up and running quickly um, on, on the sales side? Um, so scalability of training is always a question that we that we encounter at Allego. Um, you know, we, we, we try to help as much as we can, but the moral of the story is we're seeing it pop up left and right, whereas we were not before. So, um, yeah, we'll, we'll leave it at that and see how people responded here. Yeah, we'll just share this. I think it's really interesting that over 50% of our audience today is, is hiring more than 10 people. Yeah. So 10 to 50 is, uh, I think the majority 30%. And then 20% of our audience, so fifth of our audience is hiring more than 50 people this year. And so, you know, that's a pretty big onboarding program when we think about ramping them up and getting it right. And I don't have to tell those people that <laughs> I'm sure yeah. they're living it every day, but even, you know, the smaller team that's hiring two or three reps, but if you have a five person team, that's a pretty significant impact. And if we think about if that's going to be a, you know, a third of the revenue for the company, because it's a small business, that's a, a pretty huge and strategic decision. You got to get the hiring right. And you got to get the onboarding right. Yeah, I, I don't. Obviously, the, the more people you're hiring at once, the more scalable and coordinated your, your program has to be. But even if you're just hiring one person, that's super important uh, in any position, but especially in a selling position. Think about the cost of, of losing that person, right? If they attrit or if they don't perform. Um, there's so much co hidden costs associated with hiring and, and turnover. Um, and especially in a selling role, as, as you're dealing with all, with all of that, you're, that's time that is not being spent by a rep in the field closing deals, right? So there's a material monetary impact to training anybody uh, in a subpar manner, regardless of it's whether or not, or whether it's one or, or 50 plus. Absolutely. And John, we do that exercise in our recruiting uh, and selecting stars workshop where we talk about the cost of a bad hire. And it's always eye-opening when we start to break down, you know, you got the recruiting costs, you've got the onboarding, you've got the training, you've got the manager's time, You've got to get them ramped up. And then there's that period where you're not serving that territory. So there's an opportunity cost associated with that. And then if we get it wrong, we got to start again from scratch and go through that all again. Typically, it comes up many times the annual salary of that individual. And I ask the sales managers, are you treating that like a half million dollar investment or you know whatever that ends up being? That may be the most significant decision you make this year. But yet, you know, we kind of go through the motions or sometimes we're so busy doing other things, we don't have time to get it right. 
And in fact, we, we don't have time to get it wrong, either the hiring or the onboarding. Yeah, yeah, it's tough, but it's, it's critical. You're totally right. All right, so I'm gonna go ahead and uh, stop sharing the results here and, uh, and let's move on. You know, we wanna get more input and I see a couple of chats coming in. We also wanna get uh, input from the group here. Uh, and that is, what are the challenges that you see with onboarding in this virtual environment? So if we think about uh, things are different today, you know, we've got this hybrid, what are some of the things you're running into getting people ramped up? And I know you have some research we're going to share on this, John, but I'm curious from the audience, if you wouldn't mind just sharing, what are some of the things you run into with onboarding in the virtual environment? Yeah, virtual engagement. How do you engage your team? Uh, you know, when, when you're dispersed, that's one we see all the time, right? Right. It's hard and it's hard. And I think we all experience zoom fatigue or, you know, video conference fatigue. Um, it can be hard to drive engagement when you're on back to back to back video calls. So we, we, uh, we, we definitely see that one. Yep. Zoom fatigue just popped up from Scott. Yep, absolutely. And, and the course completion, I think is an interesting one is like, if we can't get them to finish or we don't know how, and I know, you know, some of the technology that we'll talk about of, badges and and getting points and you know being on a leaderboard we can drive that engagement and i think we're seeing some really good adoption with some of that technology but yeah sitting them down and saying well here's 10 hours of e-learning you got to sit through it's not very engaging for the for the learner for sure killer yeah not enough time that's that's a common one yeah we none of us have enough time in the day it seems uh to do our day-to-day jobs you know because I think it's important to remember a lot of the folks who are doing the onboarding, the managers who are onboarding have day jobs, right? They're, they're not necessarily a full-time trainer. Um, so how do you find the time to connect with your team and train your team? I actually went through this recently. We, we hired a bunch of new people on my team and it's really a full-time job uh, to get everybody up and running and efficient and then also focus on everything else you have to focus on. Yeah, absolutely. Some so great comments from the group here, you know, just getting feedback. Um, you're missing that body language from going out and shadowing, you know, a rep. Certainly you can listen in on calls, but but it's not quite the same. Um, so, you know, really interesting uh, to hear from the group here. Yeah, it's fantastic. All right. So let's uh, let's talk about that. I mean, these are some of the things we've heard. You know, oftentimes if you're using your old process to try to onboard, but we have this new virtual world it doesn't work so well. It's kind of like we saw a lot of that with in-person training where they said, well, we'll just turn that into Zoom sessions or online training. And you realize you really need to rethink the instructional design. You need to rethink the approach and the engagement. I think that's the same for onboarding, right? We've got outdated processes. We may need to look at, well, how do we do that? Just like this year, people are reimagining their sales kickoff meetings and in some cases having great success, but you really have to rethink it from the start of how are we going to do this differently? And then we have lack of engagement, low motivation. A number of people pointed that out, um, that they're dedicating the time to training um, or, or are we just throwing them out there or are they actually completing it as several mentioned. And then that idea of, you know, how do you acclimate, acclimate to the company culture and uh, how do we replicate that idea of being at the water cooler or going out for cocktails or, you know, whatever that team building event might've been in the past, you know, what can we do to, to replicate that? Yeah. That company culture point is, is so important. I think probably overlooked in a lot of cases, right? It's just about how do you, how do you gain the skills that you need to do your job? But so much of working at any company is 
how do you integrate into that company? How do you get a sense for what motivates that company and the people who work there? Um, again, how do you learn from each other? Um, how do you replicate those, um, those brief but really critical informal interactions that happen all the time when you're in person or you're brought together? Um, that's, a, that's a massive part of onboarding. So I'm glad that we put that point here. Yeah, and I think there are some things you can do with the technology to get people collaborating and sharing and, and that social side Oh, but yeah. it needs to be fostered and, and it doesn't happen naturally necessarily. It, it really needs almost a, a moderator, a champion, right? Somebody who's cultivating that or curating that information uh, and making it available. Yeah. C. Martin says that Zoom drinks are not as much fun as in-person drinks. And I would have to agree with that. That's very uh, true. No, it's a great point. Even sending the cocktail pack, it's just, just not quite the same. But John, yeah. I know you did some uh, research at a Lego around this. Can you talk about that in terms of, you know, some of the challenges you've heard from your clients or seen as a result of this research? Yeah. Yeah. This was pretty eye-opening, and I, I definitely encourage everybody to head over to, to our website and, and check out the full report if you're so inclined. Um, but you can see here, you know, two very blunt statistics about onboarding in a virtual environment. Um, on average, it takes two times longer for new hires to be productive during the pandemic compared to when they could train in person. And nearly 50% of sales leaders say that it is harder to get new hires up to speed and onboarded uh, over the past uh, you know, year plus that we've been going through this pandemic and, and remote. It's not surprising, right? I think we could all have intuited this, but it's pretty stark to see it here in black and white, right? The, the fact that this is really presenting a challenge in a lot of industries, you know, folks were not prepared uh, for this really sudden shift that we all went through. Um, and we've all been learning together kind of on the fly about what works and what doesn't. I think, I think we've all learned a lot over the past year, um, but the challenges haven't gone away. And I think, uh, so I guess the moral of the story here for everybody here is that if you are feeling a ton of friction in your onboarding process uh, in a virtual world, you are definitely not alone. It actually is harder. <laughs> and just like Zoom fatigue is real and, and people are exhausted at the end of the day. And, you know, onboarding is more difficult when they're not there in person and you can't sit them down in the room uh, or you can't have them, you know, follow along uh, for a day in the field and see what that's like. So, yeah, I think it's good to, to acknowledge that. And then, you know, think about, well, what can we do to get around that? So let's talk about the idea of a collaborative environment and how do we promote that? So that we can encourage, you know, those that cross pollination and, uh, you know, the connection among the the people going through. So, you know, we think about this idea of collaborative learning, uh, and we talk about our CLX, right? Collaborative learning experience as, as really blended learning at its heart. So the idea of it's maybe there's micro learning or VLT sessions, right? We're delivering content in some way, but we're also having skill application through missions or field work you know, things that they have to do, maybe they have to upload a video uh, and comment on, on each other. So they're, they're quickly applying those skills and then they're discussing and collaborating. So love the opportunity for people to chime in on each other's assignments, to see what good looks like, uh, to be able to provide that input and have a best, best hit or greatest hits, you know, best, best uh, action to follow where somebody else has done it and they can see what that looks like. And then we talked about access to resources. So if we have that in the same place where now they can go and get access to the job aids or uh, the guides or the reference materials, um, you know, it's going to be great for them not to have to go to 10 different systems or different places to, to capture that. And then ultimately, there's some completion. And we talked about the you know badges or gamification. But at the end of the day, 
how do they know they've gotten through it? And, you know, what does uh, completion or success look like? But love to get your take on this, John, in terms of, you know, how you see this with Alego and some of your clients in terms of their solutions. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I think the major takeaway from this slide, Ray, is that there is not necessarily a one-size-fits-all way, way to train an onboard, right? Companies have lots of different tools at their disposal, and they need to utilize them. You know, it can't just be, you can't walk through your, your training course, take the quizzes, ace the quizzes, and off you go. Um, it ne- learning and onboarding needs to be fostered constantly using lots of different forms of media, um, different, uh, different formats, video, uh, text, right? Um, email, in-person video, live video. Um, all of these different factors need to come together in order to form a, a training model that works for the individual, not necessarily for an entire group at one point in time, right? So things like gamification are important to motivate people to go through their tra- training. Um, easy access to tools and resources in the flow of work on an ongoing basis. That is hugely important and something that we focus on all the time at Alego. Um, we want sellers to be able to access information when they need it. Um, and I think I have some slides uh, later that go into this, but um, you know, learning is most effective when you are in the process of doing your job, right? So if you are prepping for a deal that's going to happen in two hours, you're going to be extra motivated to find the learning content that helps you close that deal or, right, or, or deliver that pitch. So you need a tool that can help surface the appropriate materials at that point in time when you need it, not six months ago when you went through the first training. Um, that's that's really critical and, and something that we push at Alego a lot. Um, certainly, discussion and collaboration is huge. And again, I think I have a slide in a, in a, in a little bit that talks about the idea of asynchronous collaboration. Mm-hmm. That's a really that that's a critical concept that that we should talk about because again, Zoom fatigue is real. Coordination of calendars is extremely challenging, not just with groups, but certainly with individuals. And again, individual feedback and learning is incredibly important to focus on here because everybody learns differently and has different strengths and weaknesses. Um, So having a way to communicate and collaborate in a non-live fashion to get around calendaring is really, really important. And we'll talk about that in a minute. I can give you a good visual example of that. Um, So across the board, it's there, there's so many, it's just important to remember there are so many components to onboarding and training and continuous learning um, that you have the opportunity to blend together uh, to find the right mix for your team, uh, right? It's not black and white. There's, there's a lot of, a lot of uh, gray area and opportunistic areas of learning that you should be thinking about as you go. No, absolutely. You know, there were several comments about instructional design or looking at the design. I think we need to design our onboarding and the instruction to support what we're trying to accomplish. And you know, going back to, well, what does onboarded mean? Uh, what are those milestones? And how do we leverage some of the things you mentioned, John, where they're doing assignments that are related to their first meeting, their first deal, you know, closing that that first uh, piece of business. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I'll, it I'll, as good as possible, right? Yeah. It, exactly. Um, and doing things like, um, you know, with, with the Lego, we've seen a lot of our clients um, do practice, uh, practice pitches, right? So uh, a rep can go in, they can, as a as they're getting onboarded, as they've gone through training, they can then record themselves um, using a Lego, delivering that pitch just to their manager. They submit it to their manager as a practice session. The manager can then watch it. They can watch how the individual delivers the pitch um, and submit point in time feedback um, right within that video uh, to, prov- to provide this individualized uh, learning experience. And 
in a way that just really helps reps get up and running and understand what they're doing well, where their weaknesses are. Um, again, I don't want to, I know I've, I've said this multiple times now, but in a way that that matches what their skill set is and what they need to do to improve. Um, so just an example of how technology can foster what we're talking about here. Yeah. Well, let's look at some of those samples and, you know, I mean, we look at in terms of different ways and certainly there are lots of different ways you could look at this, uh, this grid, but you know, the trade-offs of we've got traditional kind of e-learning or micro-learning, we've got instructor-led and virtual instructor-led. Certainly there's some trade-offs there as well. And then what we're calling collaborative learning experience, but kind of that blended uh, view with the online and, and collaborative nature. And so e-learning, you know, scales and it's accessible and we can gamify it and, and you know, there's some benefits, but obviously it starts to break down when we're talking about the collaboration part of it. Uh, and the interaction as much, where ILT, VLT, very strong on the facilitation, the engagement online, but it's hard to scale, more expensive, more challenging, as you said, with time zones, et cetera. And we think you know, that blended approach really helps to satisfy uh, all of those components because you can pull that together uh, in a way that, that really optimizes what you're looking for and the outcomes uh, eventually. Yeah, absolutely. So let's let's take a look at, and I'd love to for you to share a little bit about you know a Lego in terms of how you're approaching this, especially around you mentioned asynchronous tech and and getting that collaboration when they maybe they aren't there live, but they we still want them interacting, right? Yeah, yeah, and this this is exactly what I was talking about. Um, live video is live video conferencing is great um, and really important to have those live interactions, but like we said, um, not always easy to find the time. Um, and sometimes there's something to be said for having the opportunity to digest content at your own speed and on your own schedule. So at Allego, we really push this idea of asynchronous communication and collaboration specifically through video. And again, when I say asynchronous, I mean non-live, right? So email is a really basic example of asynchronous communication. You receive the email, you respond to it on your own time, we level that up with, with video interactions. Um, but again, I, I give the example of a rep can uh, record themselves sharing a practice pitch or sharing intelligence about what they're hearing and seeing in the field. They can share that with their managers or with their team. And then, Ray, if you click over one, I think a build will happen um, where you can see, yeah, you can see um, that within our tool, you have the ability to respond in line uh, uh, to, to video submissions, either via text or you can actually record yourself um, giving feedback on what the person has just said in their video and they, they, all the comments pop up in these comment cards here. Just a really nice, straightforward way of, of sharing feedback and brainstorming and, and all of that um, without having to be in the same place at the same time. Um, we've, we've seen usage of this type of tool go way, way up over the past year, as you might expect, as teams have, have gone more distributed. Um, and it's really effective and it's necessary. And again, this is, this is a good way to connect both with your manager directly, if you're a rep or vice versa, if you're a manager, but also with your teams, right? So you can share this type of, this type of content with, uh, with whoever you want, whoever it's gonna be useful for. Um, so this, this is what we're talking about when, when Alego is talking about asynchronous technology and communication. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's exciting from a coaching standpoint, because now we have the ability to coach where we can't necessarily be there all the time or even be out in the field like maybe we used to be or we'd like to be. But um, we can't be everywhere at once. But now we can do some coaching, uh, you know, after the fact, but with the real facts and data. Yeah, absolutely. 
So let's explore that idea of you know peer-to-peer -peer, uh, learning and content uh, in in a different way. And you know there's certainly a lot of research around how valuable that is and how people like to learn in in different ways. But um, blending in that idea of learning from each other uh, is going to be you know top of the list regardless. And how can we foster that? So especially in a you know environment where we can make it easy for them to do love for you to share a little bit more about you know what that looks like in a new hire or onboarding situation yeah absolutely i, I say here on, on this slide new hires need constant exposure to their teams to be successful again not just to their their managers but to their teams um so how do you facilitate that in the virtual world beyond your your typical zoom sessions um again we come we come back to this this idea of asynchronous communication and collaboration but it needs it needs to be easy right so at allego we really focus on making uh both the creation of content as well as the the receiving of content the digestion of content really simple and straightforward so that anybody can do it um yeah you'll see here that um you know, you can you can just hold up your phone. You open the Allego app. You can re record yourself again. It can be an introduction of who you are, where you're coming from, what help you need as a new hire, and you can share that with your team so that they know again where you're coming from and and where they might be able to help you. Um, crowdsourcing knowledge sharing, crowdsourcing training, if you will, um, and you can add. You can add slides to your video. You can do a, you know, just a screen grab with voiceover, all sorts of different formats, and just just with a click of a button. And I, I don't mean to go on here, you know, touting how great a Lego is, but I think the point is that the technology, any technology that can do this, is really useful because it's a way of connecting teams to each other. And I think I've already said that probably ten times how important that is. Um, but that I think ease of use here is is the the point that I'm trying to drive home. Absolutely. And the fact that it's integrated is is so important to the user, I think, to make that seamless and a good experience. And I will say we love the concept and we've done it, you know, manually where people are recording videos and they're posting them to a Dropbox or a SharePoint, you know, or they're sending them in to somebody who's then proctoring that information. But boy, that that has some additional challenges, I will tell you. And, you know, getting it right in the format and training people on how to capture Versus, as you said, just you know, clicking a button and being able to do it right in the native app. Yeah, you want it to become a part of of your reps' everyday process, right? To to absorb and create this type of content. And I, you know, there's a good point on, on the slide here that um, that leaders and trainers uh, can view all of this content that comes into them, and they can share the best of the best with the group. Uh, so their their crowdsourcing knowledge, they can see, oh wow, this is a really fantastic example that came in from Joe of how to deliver this slide deck. I'm going to clip this and I'm going to share it with the rest of my team so they can all see how Joe did this. And they should try to replicate that A player behavior, so to speak. Um, so multiple functions for this type of, uh, type of technology. Yeah, no, I think that's great. And, and that's, you know, from a training standpoint, and then also just from a, a resources perspective and being able to, to curate or provide good insights and information can you talk a little bit about that? Because I think this is really interesting where, you know, it used to be maybe we'd go to the studio and we'd create these videos that were, you know, very highly produced. But the goal now is, hey, what can we do quickly? I mean, we like the idea of these voice of the seller videos. Yeah. Just having somebody talk about, you know, their current uh, situation um, and uh, how they accomplished or overcame a, a challenge, something like that. But how do you integrate that with, with an Lego? Yeah, at Allegro, we really we really hammer home the point of uh, we're going for YouTube, not Hollywood, 
right? So uh, you don't need all the lights and the incredible audio quality. Um, you just need need to be able to create content that's going to be used and, and that's going to be useful. Um, so here, you know, we, we have examples of what this content can look like. We call it agile content um, mm -hmm. in contrast to formal content. So uh, bite-sized nuggets of information that reps can access whenever they need it. So things like best practices, podcasts, success stories, competitive intelligence, market insights, all of that goodness. And you can see as you, you build out the slides here, uh, Ray, that um, it's super easy to do this. You just, you, know, you can click a create button. You can say, okay, now I want to share a win report. I just, I want a deal. I want to share with my team um, how I did it, what challenges I encountered and how I was able to overcome them. Again, we get back to this idea of replicating success in the flow of work so that um, this is not just knowledge that is going to be shared once and accessed once, it's going to be knowledge that is shared and accessed time and time again as specific selling situations uh, come up. So if you do one more build, Ray, you'll see that you know, just with a, a couple clicks of a button, um, you, know, you can, can pull up a recording of yourself, you can upload a PDF or a slide deck and talk to a wide variety of situations. I think that's important with any technology you're considering is how flexible is it? Um, not just how easy is it, but how flexible is it? What types of scenarios can it accommodate to help people learn and gain the information they need, again, to do their jobs well? No, that's great. And, and then having that collection or that library, right, of, of new assets that have been user-generated, but help with that peer-to-peer -peer connection and peer-to-peer -peer delivery. Yeah, and, and, easy, and easily accessible too, right? Um, just understanding it. We go, we'll go back to that point of, content management and discoverability and usability. You have to know where to find this stuff and how to use it in order for it to be effective. That's great. Well, let's keep moving. We'll, we'll hit our last bullet and I wanna make sure there's time for Q&A at the end as well. And if you do have a question, go ahead and uh, type it into the Q&A. That way it won't get lost in the, lost in the chat uh, as we're scrolling through, but um, we'll take questions at the end and then certainly follow up uh, if we run out of time. But you know, we wanna think about then how do we leverage this in an ongoing, you know, so that continuous learning and also the manager's role in, in coaching to support the success. So, you know, we know from a training standpoint, the, the best training in the world isn't going to work if there isn't some follow through and, and reinforcement and coaching. So the idea of making the job aids and the tools available, uh, making sure there is ongoing reinforcement envisioned in the program uh, and that we're engaging the managers so that they can pick it up and, and help support it. And do they even know what that looks like, right? Um, and being able to support just in time or, or in the flow of work learning uh, to reinforce those concepts. So there's nothing worse than I think somebody coming out being trained and ramped up and ready to go and then find out that their manager doesn't do it that way or doesn't like that the way that's being done or doesn't support it. And then obviously that, that investment has been wasted at that point um, in terms of that initial training. So I think there's a lot to make sure that we're reinforcing those skills over time and providing access to the relevant content as we go forward. So, you know, maybe you could touch on that, John, in terms of, you know, how do you curate that content? How do you make it available? What kind of resources do you provide? Yeah, absolutely. And th this goes to the point I was just making about easy discoverability and, and content management, right? So you want organized libraries of content so that reps know where to go and how to find it and how to use it. Um, so libraries of win reports, playbooks, right? So you can say, hey, I'm, I'm selling to um, the, the head of sales at a 
you know, big financial services organization. So I can go into my platform and I can, I can find, you know, financial services, content, persona-based content. I can see everything that I need right there. So it's really important to think about how you're organizing content so that it is useful. Um, but as you, as you can see here in the screenshot, you know, we, we really try to do that uh, pretty, pretty intuitively in a Lego. You have, here are all the tasks that are assigned to you. Um, here's recommended content based on who you are potentially, or what your peers are accessing. So we try to build in some, you know, some artificial intelligence to help surface recommendations. That really helps. Um, but we try to give you everything at your fingertips that you might need on a daily basis in order to uh, perform your job at, at a higher level. Um, so yes, yeah, so you can see a channel for company collaboration, all your internal collaborations. We, we use this tool all the time at a Lego. I think that's probably the, you know, the best ad I, I can give you right. um, is that on a daily basis, I am in a Lego learning from my peers, um, just sharing knowledge with each other about it, even on the marketing team. I'm, in a market, I'm a marketer, not a seller. We use it all the time to share what's working, what's not, give updates on on, on major projects or, or shifts in positioning, things like that. Um, here's an example of playbooks, people sharing uh, different sales playbooks, um, again, based on certain scenarios. Um, you can build team workspaces that are specifically built for collaboration. Um, so again, I, I do not intend for this to be an Alego sales pitch, but the, the concept is Whatever tool you're using, whether it's a specific solution or something you built on your own, um, make sure you've thought through how, how, how your reps are going to access it, how frictionless that experience it is, and how easy it is to share and collaborate with one another. Because um, those, are, those are the things that are, that are going to actually have an impact over time. No, that, that's such an important point that, yeah, it may not be able to, to have a, the, the perfect solution and, and they're rarely perfect, right? But uh, to start with anyway, but the concept of what information do they need? How are they going to get it? Do they know who to go to for that information? You can solve that in a lot of different ways. And maybe it starts with a shared drive and a well-organized playbook, right? That, that at least spells that out for them. Um, but I think the key point is we need to have those components and, and work that into the, the onboarding process. So yep. then the next piece of that, which I'd, I'd just love to have a short discussion on um, here is around the manager's role then in supporting that. So if we've got them trained, they get access to the information, they've gone through that. But I'd, I'd love to hear just uh, from the participants in the chat, what is the manager's role in your organization uh, with onboarding. So in other words, where do they get involved or, you know, kind of how engaged or, or involved are they and what point in the process do they actually either step in or take over? So um, love to hear, you know, from the, from the audience here, John, what do you see? I mean, it's across the board, but uh, curious what you see from some of your clients. It really, it really is across the board. Um, we have some managers that are very involved right up front. Um, you know, want to have control over the entire experience, and that's that's fine, right? Having a very hands-on uh, experience, and we see others that um, that aren't that way. That that actually go to the peer-to-peer -peer knowledge sharing first, right? Like here's here's a big library of of content that was generated by your peers, um, applicable to a lot of different selling situations. Go through it, absorb it, then go, you know, take your training courses, and then come back and we'll talk about it. Right, and then we'll, we'll we'll talk about what you learned. Um, so it's a bit a bit more of a hands off approach. But so we we see both both ends of the spectrum. Yeah, I, I think that's. I mean, certainly depending on the organization and and the maturity and the bandwidth. But the idea, and at least from our perspective, that manager's role should really start, if not from day one, even before that. Right. So 
uh, you know, with with that welcome, with that onboarding uh, process, and you know, I think a couple of people are are responding in now, but uh, integrated in, and we need to think about their role throughout. So, are they part of the training? Are they part of the skill development? They're reviewing maybe the videos or the assignments. I think oftentimes, unfortunately, it gets left to the end, and it's like, okay, now here's your rep, you know, go forward. And the manager doesn't really know much about that, or it's really been the trainer that's developed the relationship with that individual and and has gotten them to that point. So, you know, I think taking that up much earlier on, defining that process, and we'll talk a little bit about the coaching that that can be involved there. Yeah, I think coaching is going to be a big part of this conversation, developing that individual connection between manager and rep. is critical for, for any successful professional relationship. Yeah. And that's what Tamara mentions, uh, engaging the people leaders before the hire starts, as we were saying, let them know what's expected, the deadlines, how they're going to be involved. Um, 50% of the sessions, Gustavo mentioned, uh, that the managers are involved. And so that's fantastic uh, to get them involved as, as early as possible. Uh, giving the people leaders assignments within the on-demand. So really, really important, you know, that they're actually helping to lead or, or run that. So we believe that that's a huge uplift, right? That uh, having the managers involved and coaching in general creates a leverage within the organization. So it helps the salespeople learn how to solve their problems if we can work on with them. We know that as their skills improve, the, the results, the performance is going to improve. Um, so we want the manager to not be the chief problem solver, the one that steps in to fix everything, but helps them help themselves. Uh, and that actually frees the manager up to think more strategically, but it starts with making sure they're onboarded and that new hire needs to be the top priority to make sure they are given the benefit of the doubt. They all do have everything that they, uh, need to ramp up successfully and get them on board, uh, you know, early in the process. Yep. So when we think about coaching, and I just want to get to your slide because I think this is really important. Um, you know, we think about today, uh, the opportunities to coach, I think, are actually more than they they even were previously uh, in terms of the access to te- technology and virtual. We don't have to wait until we can ride along a whole day with the rep. You know, in the case of a field rep, um, we can coach before the calls. We can join the virtual meeting with them, even just as an observer. Uh, we can listen to those call recordings after the fact or look at the conversational intelligence. So looking at the transcript, and you're gonna talk a little bit about the analysis, uh, coaching after the fact, where we're kind of doing the Monday morning quarterback and and reviewing what happened, and then doing role plays, sales simulations, practice. So there's such a great opportunity, but I think we often think of coaching as, oh no, I have to wait until I'm out there in the field or, or I'm closing a deal with them. And so it gets deprioritized. We should be thinking about coaching, you know, all the time and everything we can do to support them. All the time. And ride-alongs do not happen as frequently anymore, right? It's harder harder to, to have that happen in the field anyway. So what are the ways around that? Um, I t- total, totally agree. You gotta, if you're a manager, you've got to get involved early and often um, and understand how your rep is performing at any opportunity you can. Um, so we talk a lot at the Lego about uh, call coaching and conversation intelligence. I think we have a stat. It's not in this, not in this slide, but um, something along the lines of 80% of sales calls go unwatched by managers. 80%. So only 20% get seen um, at any given time. So we need that's really unacceptable, as I, I think we would all all agree. You need a lot more transparency as a coach into the performance of your team on a daily basis. So how do you do that? 
call coaching and call recording is a really elegant, pretty streamlined and simple solution for it. Because if you're automatically recording all of your reps calls, um, that gives you access to everything, right? Um, so as a coach, you have all of, all of your team's calls at your disposal. You can see here on, our, on the screen, you know, a Lego's call coaching and conversation intelligence provides transcripts as many solutions do. So you can see um, you know, what, what's being said in any given time. You can see how, you know, how often your rep is talking, how much they're talking, for how many minutes in a row they're talking, right? Are they actually having a conversation or are they just talking out at a prospect? As we all know, you know we don't want to do, but that happens far too often. Um, so you can start to get a really nice at-a-glance insight into how your rep has performed in a given call. Um, what's really exciting about com the conversation intelligence space and something we've started to, to roll out at a Lego is, uh, Ray, if you go to the next slide, um, we apply uh, artificial intelligence to uh, call recording functionality. Um, and, to, and, and you can apply this to practice sessions too. But all of a sudden, your, your AI can start listening to every single call, right? So you have 100% call coverage. Um, and it can tell you a lot of different things about how your rep performed in a, in a given call, whether it's live or in a practice session, it can tell you how quickly they spoke. Was it too fast? Was it too slow? Um, did they use a lot of filler words like um, uh, huh, er, right? We want to stay away from those. Um, you, can, you can program the AI to look out for certain phrases that are positive or negative or terms that are positive or negative, and it can pinpoint when those terms are used. So you can get a really at a glance pretty pinpoint idea of how a rep performed um, without having to necessarily watch the entirety of a sales call, which we all know is very time consuming depending on what the call is. So to have this guide, and that's what it is, it's not a replacement for a coach, not that, it's a guide. It tells the coach where to look um, for either something that went very well during a call or something that could be improved upon. And then you can use that to deliver individualized coaching at a greater scale than you were able to before. So this is really, really important um, because coaching on a daily basis is critical to rep performance and success. And yet it is so incredibly hard to do when you're not sitting there with them. It's hard when you are sitting there with them, but even when you're not, it's really, really tough. So take advantage of any tools you have at your disposal, whether it's AI powered or not, but right. any tools you have at your disposal to, to make sure that you're driving these individual connections and understanding how your reps are performing at any given time. No, and, and this is such an exciting area for the future because I think we're learning and starting to see industry insights come out, right? Like, guess what? The best reps actually do listen more than others and they're listening more than half of the time uh, and letting the customer talk more. They're asking more questions, right? And so some of those things that maybe we assumed, but now we, we have data and analytics to, to start to look at that. You know, there was a comment from Edwin uh, in the chat about sometimes our clients don't want the calls recorded. And obviously yeah. we need to be sensitive to that, but I've seen the barrier go way down. You know, I mean, Zoom will just say, hey, this call, call is being recorded um, or we can, you know, let them know up front. And I, I can't think of the last time somebody said, I don't want you to record this call, at least in, in the US. Now, um, yeah. you know, that may differ, but I think if there's an opportunity or to try it out, can be very valuable. I think, and just to wrap up this discussion about coaching, when we think about traditional coaching as, well, let's build a coaching plan and help this rep perform better. Now we have insights that can lend themselves to, we go through this skill map with the rep to say, let's define some coaching priorities. 
but we can see how they did asking questions to develop needs or how they presented their solution. Is there uh, intelligence that can inform that conversation? So it's not just our opinion or our judgment, but we actually have some data and we can work with them then to improve a couple of these skills at a time that are really going to you know, create a, a, a better outcome for them, higher performance. Yeah, love it. So I know we're on the top of the hour. Um, we've covered a lot, but John, this has been a, a really fantastic and interesting discussion for me. So I've enjoyed the collaboration. You know, we talked about uh, onboarding and some of the challenges, uh, making it collaborative, leveraging that peer-to-peer and learning in the flow of work, and then getting the manager involved and, and helping to continue that or create that continuous and lear- learning environment as we go forward. So I'd uh, love to have you just share any final thoughts here and then uh, we'll, we'll wrap up with questions and let Alana, Alonzo take us home. Yeah, absolutely. And, and thank you, Ray. This has been a lot of fun. No, I, you know, I, I think we said it all during the presentation. Um, on, onboarding has changed, changed, learning has changed um, dramatically over the past year. Um, and again, I just come back to the point of you need to be flexible. You need to you need to open open your mind a little bit in terms of what's possible and what's important um, when it comes to onboarding and training in a virtual world. It's not the same as it used to be. It's harder, but a lot of the technology out there and a lot of the practices you know that don't require technology that Ray's been talking about um, are available to you to make onboarding more impactful. Um, and onboarding is just so so important. We can't emphasize that enough. Uh, how you start. Your job uh, often reflects how you how you how long you stay at a company, right? So this is a very imp- important moment in time that we're talking about right now. So take it seriously. If you're a manager, get involved early. Use technology to help your team stay connected. Rely on your, che- on your team to share information with each other and help support each other. Uh, and if you do all these things, you know, you'll you'll be in a pretty good spot. The market is changing, making sales skills more important than ever before. How to transform your team into big performers? If you want the answer, plus free resources for podcast listeners, visit salesreadinessgroup.com slash podcast.